is Russia preparing a major offensive? And is Ukraine preparing as well? What is each strategy going to look like in the coming months as we emerge from the winter? And is Russia going to continue to push in Solidar even as it has plans and designs elsewhere? I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It is January 24th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get right into it. Okay, first off, let's take a look at the control map. Now, there's two significant noteworthy parts of change. The first is in the northeast corner of Bakhmut. As you guys can see, uh, Russian forces are surging into this urban development here to the east of the Bakhmutka River. Uh, generally, while formally not a part of the city of Bakhmut, functionally, this is fair to say that Russian forces are in Bakhmut. Now, as we've been talking about for literally months now, uh, Ukrainian forces probably uh, wrote off Bakhmut as soon as they initiated their defense. There was an expectation that they are going to turn this into a brutal slog for Russian forces, um, ideally at tremendous cost to Russia, and minimizing costs to Ukraine. And I think part of that now is a systematic withdrawal, uh, fighting withdrawal from the Bakhmut area, forcing Russian forces into more precarious uh, positions. Also worth noting is that there's uh, Russian forces have continued to push outside of Klitschivka, uh, functionally seizing the entirety of the town, right? And this represents another key supply route into Bakhmut. But as you guys can see that for months now, this supply route hasn't really been used or useful. Um, even if we were to go back, let's see if we can do it here. Even if we were to go back a month to December, uh, ooh, let's see. Come on, work. Right. Show me what the actual map looks like at this time. Uh, nope, it still isn't it. Well, maybe it is. No, it says it's just the 16th. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. This this route has not been accessible or usable by Russian or by either side, really, to get supplies into Bakhmut for some time. It's sometimes it's just too close. Um, and it's also worth noting that Russian forces are continuing to push as it, it's unclear what they want to do as far as this encirclement. They probably want to try to cut off this roadway here um, and advance northward in sort of a, a sort of pincer movement. But as discussed, they would in an effort to encircle Bakhmut, they would have to expose themselves to Ukrainian forces in Chasiv Yar. Uh, not necessarily a great situation to be in, or alternately, they would have to do a looping pincer and attempt to take Chasiv Yar, unless the only other thing they might try to do is just simply get a foothold in this Ivansky and use indirect fire drones and other technologies to extend their ability to block this roadway, not necessarily hold the territory, but just prevent Ukraine from using it to move troops in and out of the region, in and out of Bakhmut. That would be somewhat significant. Again, the alternative, of course, being this road here to the north, which is even more protected. So Russia still has a lot of work they would have to do before really dealing a significant operational blow, even to the defense of Bakhmut, which again, not necessarily 
significant in the overall strategy um, of the uh, front lines. Uh, other than that, guys, that's pretty much it. There looks like there's a minor tweak in the territorial control showing Russian forces uh, taking uh, Luhivsk, uh, which is looks like a basically a truck stop um in the zaporohesia but it's uh, it's only significant in so much as it indicates to us that again the zaporohesia uh front does appear to be something that's slowly heating up um it's you know russia is going to anyway let's let's have this larger conversation in a second uh taking a look at the combat map you can see of course russia now pushing along four prongs, Bakhmut, Krasnohora, uh, and Solidar, as well as north of Solidar. Uh, this looks a lot like their efforts in Donetsk, uh, which you can see also, right, dispersed attacks along several axes of advance. Uh, it's uh, debatable whether this will be an effective strategy. Again, it seems to be good at taking relatively small amounts of territory, um, keeping Ukrainian forces on the back foot, but it's really tough to disperse your forces like this um, and still make meaningful gains. When we look to the south, of course, Ukraine not reporting any combat, but again, it's, it seems to me apparent that this is going to be an area where either combat's going to heat up. Now, is it a feint by Russia? I think it's highly possible that this is part of a Russian feint effort um, to deceive uh, Ukraine and even Western analysts, uh, make them think that there's going to be some sort of larger Russian combat effort here. But generally, you don't hold a press conference saying that that's going to happen, um, saying that you're intensifying the fighting in this region. You generally, you know, it's like the Kharkiv offensive, right? There was no announcements. There was no discussion of it. The announcements and discussion were about the Kherson offensive. And uh, Russia definitely seem to have gotten played by that pretty thoroughly and so i suspect that you will see something similar russia try to run that playbook backwards uh where they talk up a zaporohesia offensive but the reality is that the offensive will be coming from a different direction uh talking about some other news on the back line one of the biggest stories is that an high level fbi uh it says official special agent has pled not guilty into a scheme to help a sanctioned russian oligarch uh this is a huge deal this guy charles mcgonagall a 22 year veteran of the fbi who retired in 2018 uh was arrested uh on charges essentially that he acted at took money from and worked to protect a russian oligarch and probably by extension the russian government at large uh this is pretty damning because this was a fbi counter terror agent um someone who's or sorry counterintelligence someone whose sole job was to investigate foreign government's efforts to spy on the united states so having someone like that he obviously had considerable access to uh classified intelligence he would have had considerable access to know and inform russia about who and what was being investigated um the fbi uh under his direction opened an investigation into a u.s citizen's lobbying effort um <laughs> 
and who got that information from a former employee of Albanian intelligence, likely another Kremlin agent. Um, this is all really bad because it's it's tough to know what investigations he either obstructed. Uh, oftentimes, what happens is that not only will the uh, double agents like this, not only will they will they thwart efforts to pursue um, meaningful counterintelligence investigations, like like targeting real Russian assets, but they will oftentimes be given. Um, information that would lead to the arrest of competing forces for example uh you know russia might pass along intelligent information about a source or a, an agent who's working for another intelligence agency or possibly one who is used to be a russian asset but is now considering flipping and going over to the us uh anything to try to obfuscate and not just enable their operations, but to uh, deter other adversaries in the United States. Um, yeah, he apparently retired from the FBI, was almost immediately brought on as a consultant for a New York law firm hired to work against this oligarch's sanctions. Uh, this is just a testament to uh, just how deep Russian and how skilled Russian intelligence and information efforts are. As poor quality as their military seems to be, the Kremlin is very, very good and has a long track record of being effective at intelligence operations. It's something that they have been simply ahead of the curve on literally for the past hundred years. Um, they, The Kremlin is just so good at information operations infiltration uh it's a function of their the soviet era uh belief that the soviet union was not only the primary uh, not only the government of russia but represented the ideal of communism worldwide and saw itself as the head of communism and responsible for disseminating and pushing that ideology throughout the globe and so to do that of course they became very skilled at infiltrating political parties security apparatus and other bodies of of state governance in different states and integrating themselves well with existing um ideological structures whether that's aligning themselves with uh certain tribes in africa in the case of like the mpla in mozambique um you have to understand russia is just so so good at this it's their competitive advantage obviously military operations they are getting uh shellacked by ukraine but what's also fascinating is that concurrent with this arrest a bunch of Ukrainian officials have also been ousted from government. This is really interesting that this this timing seems very unusual because these are high-level staff members. Staff members. Uh, a deputy chief of staff is a hugely important position. Um, a deputy minister of defense, also hugely important. Deputy prosecutor general. This is These are huge uh, oustings. And the fact that they are occurring concurrent almost to the day with the arrest of a U.S. official who was found to be um, in the pocket of Russian oligarchs makes me think that this may be part of a single network or that this was an ongoing counterintelligence investigation by the U.S. that found that that 
brought down an entire network that included these high-level individuals. Um, the fact is that this is such a bad that if if true that these are such a uh, high level of corruption uh, at the Ukraine's level that the damage they must have done to the war effort is probably substantial. Um, okay, Defense Ministry officials say he bought food for the military at prices triple those found in local stores. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, and let's see, asked to be removed, accusations. Okay, so this is like a getting kickbacks on a food service contract. Um, <laughs> was a worthy act in the tradition of European and democratic politics. Very funny. Um, yeah. Uh, it also said that this guy had commandeered for his personal use a Chevy Tahoe that had been donated to the Ukrainian government for humanitarian aid operations. Uh, one of 50 Tahoes that GM sent to Ukraine early in the year to distribute aid and evacuate civilians. Um, claimed he drove the car, but for official use. Interesting. And, dis and someone else was dismissed in connection with a bribery case brought by Ukraine's anti-corruption agency. So, interesting tough to say are these just publicly acknowledged issues um or is this actually corruption but the thing is this is not um this is not a uh this is not the same level uh corruption at least on the surface as the uh u.s counterterrorism official but again there's some stuff that's behind the scenes that probably we aren't party to. Um, anyway, guys, final look at War Mapper, of course, acknowledging that Russians taking control of Klitschiva southwest of Bakhmut and have also advanced into northeast Bakhmut per our conversation. One other interesting note, Ukraine claims to have taken down three Russian helicopters in the span of half an hour. Uh, these are three KA-52 attack helicopters. Uh, what's fascinating is not that this happened. Again, it's debatable if... If these are accurate claims, this is the Daily Mail. They report literally any rumor that they can come across. But what's more interesting is that if this is true, that the that uh, Russia is flying three of its most valuable attack helicopters um, at once, it says that maybe this is the offensive, that the offensive may well be underway. I'd be curious to know where these shootdowns happened. Um but that it says that Ukraine or, or that Russia is planning on launching an offensive operations. They are arguing that Russia is actually going to be launching offensive operations from Belarus, right in the northeast, uh, as well as in Donetsk and in Zaporizhia. This seems like uh, a repeat of Russia's previous failures. I don't, and it seems too preposterous to be true. Uh, the reason is because we see that Russia even launching attacks and offensives along two axes, namely uh, Donetsk and Bakhmut, is too much. Russia's barely able to make meaningful advances. And that's, again, flying its high-level attack helicopters. For Russia to actually divide its forces and come up with three totally separate logistic lines um, is going to be a real, really huge challenge it's tough to understate how bad a plan this would be and so i sort of suspect that this is the uh most dangerous scenario and that 
Daily Mail is running with the uh, salacious rumor instead of the realistic fact. And as Institute for the Study of War assesses, um, it says that, for example, Russia's remaining airborne VDV elements are along the Savote Kremina axis. Um, that there's probably going to be a big offensive in Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts, which, of course, do not include Zapotahesia. Uh, anyway, guys, that's all I had. Um, of course, if you guys want access to the uncensored combat video breakdowns, the kind that YouTube doesn't want me to show you, those are all on the Patreon. Thanks so much to my Lieutenant Tier patrons. You guys are the, one that make the ones that make this whole thing possible, um, and I'll see all you guys in the next one.